I lied. I'm behind the eight ball again, 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 again. So, hey, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and TikTok. Okay, so before I begin, before I begin, whoo, that, uh, okay. You know that I, these are never scripted. I never know what I'm going to talk about up front. I always ask God what he wants me to talk about. And it sometimes it comes right away. Other times, you know, it might come moments before. This morning, it came while I was um I was lying, I was sitting on my bed because when I get up in the morning, you know, I have my morning routine. So I sat there, propped myself up, and I'm I meditated, I prayed, I meditated, I journaled. I read, took my vitamins and, you know, then went to social media. I don't open my text messages or anything until after my morning routine is done, because I don't want to know what's going on on the outside until I take care of my inside. So when I got to uh, Instagram, because we have a team page, my daughter is my upline and we on our team chat. We go in and we drop our affirmations every morning. My daughter is an amazing leader. She's an amazing leader and it makes me proud. So she started this and, you know, everybody from the team goes in and we drop our affirmations for the day. And she, you know, gives us announcements and whatnot. Um, And one of the text messages or messages in Messenger that I subscribe to and I very rarely open it, very rarely open it. Uh, it's called push black and I'll preface it by saying this one, this message definitely comes with a trigger warning, definitely comes with a trigger warning. And if it triggers something in you, I, I really, I sincerely challenge you to start writing about what was triggered and how you feel about it. And that would be a starting point. Now, my mom had me when she was 17 and she had no business being nobody's mama at 17 because she lost her mother at uh, when she was 12. Her mother died of breast cancer when she was 36 years old. My mother is the middle of seven. I'm trying to think. I think it's seven or eight kids. And when my grandmother died, who I never knew um, who my mother looks just like, um, when my grandmother died, her oldest daughter had a nervous breakdown and lived her life in a nursing home, died in a nursing home. And of the kids, I want to say, well, cause my mother was 12. So we're talking like in the twenties down to my youngest aunt. I don't know. She was probably like six or seven years old. So my mother grew up without that mother figure figure was passed around the family and she went buck wild. She went buck wild. She was, she was in a girl's home, a girl's home. And then by the time she was 17, you know, she was living a street life and she and my dad met in a club. She lied about her age, which y'all know. And y'all know some of y'all guilty for that. When y'all was teenagers, you wanted that fake ID. And they got married in August of 73. They had me in November because my father was adamant about me being born into wedlock. 
So my mom has me at 17. Then my brother under me, he and I are 10 months apart. He's my Irish twin. His birthday is in September. So from September to November of every year, we're the same age. And then my youngest brother is three years younger than me. And my sister is eight years younger than me. So, well, nine years, because she was born the year I was turning nine. And my parents split when my mom, when my uh, sister was six months old. And that started the beginning of hell for me. And I'm just going to be honest about it. it. It was hell for me because that's when, you know, my mom was heavy into drugs, you know, prostitution and me having to step up as the mother figure for my siblings. And at eight years old, nine years old, well, almost nine years old, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I, it was like something in me just kicked in and I just went into mother hen mode. And my dad's youngest sister told me of a time, uh, when we went to visit with her and she said, I turned my back to go get stuff for your brothers and your sister. And here you already had it. She said, I knew then that you were going to be a good mother because you were very attentive to them because they were my siblings. And they were my responsibility. So being in that capacity, you know, my mom is in and out. That's how I missed so much school. I'm shocked. I never stayed back. That was by the grace of God because I was out of school more than I was in school. And my mom had traffic when she was home, there'd be traffic going in and out because she was also a drug dealer. And it's like, I don't know how she thought she was going to use and then deal because she was using more than she was dealing. And that's a whole other topic because, you know, her her drug dealer kingpin dude came kicking down doors with his thugs and whatnot. But that's a whole other topic of conversation. So when I opened my messenger and I saw this and it was from yesterday. For black girls, these common terms can have dire consequences. And it sent me to my feelings, sent me straight to my feelings. Because there's a picture of innocent, and let me turn down the volume. Where did my thing go? There's a picture of innocent girls, innocent little girls um, playing, you know, doing what little girls do. Why is my, oh, because the thing is, my phone has a mind of its own, so it's not going to let me turn down the volume because the the button thing disappeared. Um, But it's a picture of little girls. I did, I screenshot it, of little girls playing. And I wished I could have been like one of those little girls, just not having a care in the world. But then as I started reading it, it made me emotional because I lived through all of this because when my mother was in the heart of her addiction and having all those people come in and out, she had a cousin who was also an addict and he molested me. And I've never shared this with anybody. My kids don't even know. So the fact that God put this in my phone to talk about and put it on my heart to talk about means that somebody somewhere needs to hear what I'm going to say. So I would suggest sharing this with people you care about that, you know, have been subjected to molestation or some sort of sexual abuse, because we about to get deep and I had no intent to go here. But when I agreed and told God that I would help his people, 
I had no control over what he brings to my heart. So it starts out by saying when young black girls are spoken to like adults or forced to grow up too soon, there can be major consequences. These common phrases can be powerfully hurtful. Have you said them to the girls in your life without realizing the harm? And all of them I heard over and over and over again as a little black girl. Our culture frequently takes away little black girls' innocence by treating them like adults before they're ready. I was raising kids at eight years old and had no business being put in that role. Adultification has a variety of negative effects from overpunishment in schools to sexual assault to police brutality. These common phrases contribute to adultification and we should avoid them. One, how many of you black women listening have ever been told to stop acting like you're grown? It's like, what the heck does that mean? What the heck does that mean? Many of us believe if children act like adults, they should be treated like them. How many of you have heard that? But children should be treated like children. Studies show black girls are assumed to be older than they are and know more about sex than they do, which contributes to them being sexually assaulted more frequently and over-criminalized. When I told my mother that her cousin was inappropriately touching me, she told me it was my fault because I was acting grown. I was like nine years old. My boobs were just starting to bud. And I was, and back then, because we're talking early 80s, you know, the, the little rompers with the tie-up things on, on the shoulders, with the jelly sandals. That's what I wore, and that was being grown. And mind you, I was the kid who didn't want to be seen by anybody. I was not the kid to go and seek attention in the middle of the room, like when the grown-ups are, you know, coming over, because back then they had card parties and whatnot. When they were there, I didn't want to be seen by anybody. So I faded to the shadow because I'm an introvert. I don't like attention unless it's the people that I invite into my world. So for my mother to tell me to stop acting like I was grown and that I asked for her cousins inappropriately touching me was not okay. Was not okay. Was not okay. So from that moment on, people, when I was in my 20s, before my daughter was born, people would say, why do you dress like an old lady? And I never paid any attention to it until this morning when I read this, because a nine-year-old me was taught to sh that her body would draw unwanted attention. So what do you do when you don't want to draw attention to yourself? You hide. I hid behind clothes. My daughter was 10 years old, and she said, Mom, why are you wearing so big clothes? One, her dad was insecure and swerving down. I was trying to get attention from other men. And then my, my mother telling me that I thought I was grown and seeking the attention from men that I did not want. So I covered up from neck down. You didn't see anything, anything. And that didn't come up until this morning because see what you guys all understand, even though I get on here and I share stuff with you and challenge you to think outside the box, I'm still healing my own stuff from stuff. I don't even know when it's going to come up or how. And that's the part, that's part of the process. You have to be open to healing so you can move past it because it's blocking something along the way for you. If you struggle in a relationship, I'd, I'd be more than willing to bet it goes back to something you endured 
as a child based on what adults told you. The second thing, cover up. How many of y'all been told to cover up? Telling girls to cover up reinforces the stereotype that black girls are trying to seduce grown men. If a man is attracted to a child, that's his fault, not hers. This also leads to black girls being seen as less worthy of, perfection, of protection and, not, and more deserving of sexual assault. As a teenager, I was anxious whenever I had to walk past a group of boys, especially older men. My mother's youngest brother, my uncle Fred, was my, he's my favorite uncle. And when he moved to the town that we lived in, in Pennsylvania, he was like, because we grew up in, I grew up in, I was born and raised in Waterbury, Connecticut. So, you know, you take a city person out the city and take them to a small hick town. And people thought he was like the coolest thing. So he had, he had mad respect, but he didn't know until I told him that his counterparts were making inappropriate comments toward me. And these are grown men, grown men. You're good enough to sit on my face. You don't tell that to a teenage girl. I was afraid my mother would send us over uh, town to get her soda or something or whatever. And I was afraid because I did not want to walk past any dude because of knowing they would say things. And my uncle noticed what, because he lived in an apartment in town and he noticed that whenever I would go visit him and would pass one of his boys on the way to his place, he's like, he called, he, he called me, uh, uh, cheeks because when I was a baby, I had chubby cheeks, like cheeks, what's going on? What's wrong? And at first at one time he said, I know there's something wrong with you. So I told him, he went and cussed all of them out and told them in a very calm voice. If you so much as look at my niece, I will kill you. And he meant it. He, he'd been to jail because he was a drug dealer. He, and he, he, did, he wasn't afraid to stand up for those he loved. Those men, when they would see me coming, would cross the street and walk on the other side of the street and would not make contact. Would not. And I thanked my uncle because he protected me from... And mind you, and that was what the early 90s, and I'm still covering up. So it's not like I was out there with my butt hanging out, my chest hanging out, my gut hanging out. I was dressed appropriately like a teenage girl should be. So grown men attracted to young girls and young boys is a them issue. It's not a kid issue. And more than likely, if you have friends or family members or your kids have friends who are overly sexual, that's an indicator that they've been sexually abused at some point over the course of their life. And that's their way of acting it out because they're being, they, they, it, it's like opening Pandora's box and they have these feelings that they don't know what to do with. So they go and express them the way that they were introduced to them. So instead of saying that these kids are being fast, Meet them where they are. What's their home life like? What have they been subjected to? Instead of judging and criticizing what you don't know, be that safe place. That's why my, my kids' friends loved coming to our house, loved hanging out with us because they knew that it was a safe space because uh, eight-month pregnant, um, yeah, eight pregnant me was ready to beat a man down with a pipe when he threatened to rape my daughter at 10. And my ex-husband 
the town barber at the time was like, what are you doing? I said, oh, this dude gonna gonna threaten to rape our daughter. And that brought something up in me. And he was, and I didn't care that I was pregnant, did not care. That was my baby. And he was not going to violate her because that's a violation. So when your kids come to you with stuff, do not shoo them away. Don't tell them they're making it up because you can't handle their truth. They need somewhere to unload that weight or else they're going to go and do exactly what they've been subjected to because, well, I can't go talk to my mom or dad about it because they're going to do this or that. And I know had my dad been around, you know, when my mother's cousin did that, my dad would have beat that man to a pulp because my dad did, my dad don't play about his kids and he definitely does not play about me. Three, thick. Black women's thick bodies have been under scrutiny since white men became obsessed with them during enslavement. Our little girls can experience the same objectification when puberty is over-sexualized, but it can start as early as five years old. We have to let our girls grow up in peace. And I remember being beaten because, again, you know, raising my siblings and my mom having this one and that one running in and out. She and this man were in bed and they were naked and my sister was in bed with them. And I went, I told her, I said, you, she don't need to be in there with you. I'll take her. And my mother said, no, I said, no, she, I'll take her. And I got beat for trying to protect my sister because men. And again, if a man is attracted to a child, that indicates that somewhere along the line in his childhood, he was probably molested or sexually abused by a woman or a man, but nobody wants to talk about those things. So when these dudes go out here and they're cheating and, and whatnot, yes, it's a learned behavior because they saw their daddy doing it, but why is their daddy doing it? He's doing it because at some point along his life journey, he was taken advantage of. And that's a behavior that it, it comes out. Any be, anything that we experience over the course of our life, comes out in a negative way. And when men can't go and talk about the fact that their uncle sexually abused them or touched them inappropriately, that makes them question their manhood. So what do they do? They become overly aggressive and they start acting out to prove their machismo because they don't want people to think that they're a punk or weak because some man took advantage of them. There's so much that we just sweep under the rug because it's uncomfortable. And when I'm sitting up here journaling, minding my own business and like, God, what am I talking about today? And he brought this up and I was like, no, I'm not because I've never talked about this before. And he said, remember when you said, and it's ironic because I just did a reel and a TikTok last night about, well, when you say that you're going to do this and then you go and do something else. God was like, you said that this is what you were going to do. And I'm like, okay, fine. So never argue with God, just do it. Black girls deserve to be protected and supported and to experience childhood innocence. Let's not contribute to white supremacy's adultification of our little girls. My ex-husband never understood why my daughter was not allowed. None of my kids were allowed to sleep over at people's houses. I needed to know their mama. I needed to know their daddy and I needed to know the what the house looked like and what the energy in the house was. I was that mother that went, okay, so my daughter and your daughter have been, you know, classmates for X number of years and they're trying to, you know, connect. I need, to, we need to meet. 
no, I'll come to your house. And I would go, and yes, I was I was all kinds of nosy. The first time my daughter slept over at somebody's house, she was 16 years old. And she was like, mom, it was uncomfortable because the girl's dad was a cop and she woke up with him looking down over her. That was the last time my daughter ever spent the night at somebody's house because I would kill, even now, she's 28 years old and I would hurt somebody behind my kids. And they know that about me. So they purposely, when, when I was stranded in Pennsylvania in 2019, and my now almost 17 year old was at a friend's house and he should have been home. I said, well, where are you at? They wouldn't tell me where he was at because they knew that at midnight, this mama is going to knock on that mama's door and fuss out that mama for not sending my baby back home because he don't need to be out at this hour. And they're like, no, 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 mom, we'll go get him because we know my kids know that I don't play when it comes to them because of what I've been through. And because I was not protected. If my dad was around, I, he was my saving grace up until he and my mom split. My mom put me out senior year of high school. It was a month before graduation because her then boyfriend, whom I always made me feel uneasy. And I told her, I said, there's something about that man that just don't sit right with me. There's just, and she was like, oh, you're just being paranoid. They were together. He wanted to have his way with me. And I told him, if you touch me, my father will kill you. He convinced my mother to kick me out. And I want to say, oh my gosh, when my oldest son was like two years old, this man, my mom was at work. This man tied my younger sister who was 17, eight, 17, 16, 17 at the time to a chair and was pretty much torturing her. When she called the police, they came Come to find out this man who I'd had uneasy feelings with about since I was like 14, 15 years old. Come to find out he escaped from the chain gang in North Carolina where he was serving a life sentence for rape, for raping a woman and killing her and binding her, tying her husband up and making him watch. And I said, mom, you put us in harm's way. And I told you there was something about that man that I did not, that just didn't sit well with me. So when it comes to our babies, when they come to you talking about anything, even if you are rushed, you can be late for whatever it is. Let them talk because we are the only safe space they have. My kids know that if they text me right now, they call me right now, my youngest son has a code word. If he texts me that code word, I know that I need to give him my undivided attention because that is the relationship I've cultivated with them because I didn't have it. I didn't have it. Did not have it. Didn't have it. Wished I would have, but didn't. Because everything that this thing said, I've heard from my mother's mouth and made me feel so insignificant. Our kids are important. They didn't ask to be born. We chose to do the things we did that resulted in them. So when they go through stuff, it's up to us to help them navigate that. It's up to us to make them feel a priority. Girls get pregnant because of everything this said, and then they're not getting their needs met within the confines of their home. So they're turning outward because those boys are giving them attention regardless of whether it's positive or negative. And that's just the reality. But those are the things nobody wants to talk about. 
because it's uncomfortable and it's offensive and you can't. Well, why not? Because if we're going to heal the future generations that are the ones that are coming up now, we got to deal with all this crap that we allowed to be swept under the rug because that's what our parents did. That's what their parents did. And that just keeps going back because, no, we just don't talk about that. That's how family, that's how generational curses just keep going and going and going and going. And I said, no, that crap stops with me. That stops with me. Because, let, and I mean, even, you know, my oldest son, I remember, you know, he would, he would say when he was like in high school, he'd be like, mom, so-and-so's mom keep telling me to come on and hit it. And I'm like, who's mom? Because she and I need to have a whole conversation Sation, because that's not appropriate. So it's not just our girls that we got to protect. It's not just our girls that we got to. Yes, the trauma needs to stop. Nobody exactly the same for the guys. Nobody talks about it. If you if you, <laughs> I okay, all right, Miss uh, Mr. Curtis. So. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of a way to say this so Facebook don't send me back to jail and Instagram don't threaten to send me there because I don't receive two warnings from them like in the last two weeks. Um, if you have a guy who doesn't like to do the front door but likes the back door, that's probably a telltale sign that there was sexual abuse in his childhood. And uh, y'all just gonna have to read between the lines there. Just gonna have to read between the lines. Because it's not normal. It's not normal. And we've normalized it. But it's not normal. In biblical times, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of that. Because it's perverse. Men deal with stuff just like we do. They went through the same stuff because they figured, you know, so you had some darn cousin or uncle who wanted to experiment, they can't go to their friends and experiment. So what are they gonna do? They're going the, the closest boy to them, they're going to groom, give him gifts, you know, buy him candy, you know, gas his head up, get gain his trust, do what he does, and then that little boy is devastated. And he's gotta figure out all of that. We have to do we gotta do better. We have to do better. And I mean, yes. I, and the fact, you know, when it said black women's thick bodies, if that that triggered in me because I tried to cover up for so long because of the things that men said and the things, you know, even in my marriage, I wasn't safe going around his family members because they the men were perverts. And my ex-husband said it was my fault. How is it my fault when they're the one? I'm not in their face. Because I I was the grown-up at family gatherings that went and chilled with the kids because I didn't want to be bothered with the adults. And that's just <laughs> the, the reality of it. So even in my marriage, I wasn't safe. So if you hear these things constantly and you internalize them, that's negative energy that you're taking in. You're consuming it like it's food and it's taking up residence in your, in your cells. It's got to come out some kind of way. You have these girls who, if, if, if 
because what is it? I saw on Instagram a meme. If you got a, a bottle of Henny or a dime bag, she'll drop it like it's hot. So now these girls are don't even have enough self-respect for themselves because of their trauma that they're willing to give it up for anything. And they done been through the homie and his crew. And then you got the, the aunts and the women in the hood talking about, I always knew that girl was fast. But what about her backstory? Instead of judging her now, what happened back then that contributed to her now? We have to do better. We have to do better. Um, let's see. Maria says, I had something similar to that happen to me on multiple occasions. I gave up telling the adults in my family because it didn't matter to them anyway. It was always brush, hush, hush, or my fault, even though I was so young. And th there's so many. And, and you know, my hope is that if this any of this triggers something in you, that you start digging into it. Because if it continues to be housed under that rug and that invisible pile is just getting bigger, it plays out in your relationships. When your feelings are invalidated, you become a people pleaser and an overachiever. That was me seeking approval from people over the course of your adult life because you didn't get it when you were a kid. My daughter told me the other day, she's like, mom, my childhood wasn't perfect, but you know what? I am so lucky. I am so lucky because the things I had to deal with that a lot of her peers dealt with, she didn't. She did not. And her dad and I would argue because I was very protective of her, very protective of her because I knew I had to be because I didn't know then about trauma and all that. But I knew that there were perverted men out there who were seeking like the devil seeking whom they could kill and destroy. You destroy a girl's self-esteem when you violate her. And as the parents or the adults in her life by, no, we're just not going to talk about that. Shh, shh, shh. No, because there are some grownups and I'm convinced, you know, that my mom probably kind of sort of knew some things. There are some adults who are well aware of the abuse that their kids are enduring, but they're afraid to lose that man. So they turn a, a blind eye. That's That was uh, Maya Angelou's story. That's what sparked her to write why Cage, How Cage Bird Sings. So if you with a dude who be eyeing up the young girls and you got a daughter, you need to reevaluate that relationship unless he is a strong man on all fronts. But if he's insecure and tries to deflect that insecurity on you and make it seem like you're the one tripping and you're, you're imagining things or your, your daughter comes to you and says, well, so-and-so, you know, was looking at me like this or I was coming out the bathroom and so-and-so was right there or so-and-so grabbed my towel. You need to reevaluate that man because your daughter is not safe. Your son even isn't safe. And if we don't protect them, they learn that they are not worth protecting. That they have to give in to uncomfortable things to be accepted, to be loved, to be respected. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They're, they come into this world because we, the parents, made a decision to do grown-up things.
And it's up to us to put aside our pride and our ego and our whatever to make sure that these kids don't have to endure what we did. My daughter can never say that she felt unsafe. She can never say she never knew she was loved. Even now in the group texts that I have on my kids, I periodically send them text messages. Did I Have I told you lately that I love you? Because we end every conversation with I love you. And they're like, mom, especially, you know, the boys. My daughter's like, mom, I love you too. And then my boy's mom, mom, mom. And then in our individual text messages, you know, like, I love you too, mom. My kids can never say that they weren't validated. The things that they wanted to try, they tried. Because my daughter was talking about it yesterday. She said, when Zeke came, I had to give up dance and take up karate. I said, but you were doing something that you enjoyed doing though, right? And she was like, ugh. Kids learn what they like by us giving them those opportunities because we create that space for them. We create it. We don't have to repeat the cycle just because that's what we lived. We could not control what happened to us then, but we can control what happens to us now. We can control whether or not we perpetuate the abuse and generational curses that have been passed down for generations. I said, that stops with me. It stops with me stops with me my grandbabies even they know that Gigi don't play about them either mm -mm. when their mom when my when uh, my daughter and her boys were here when she'd be having a rough day they knew that they they'd run in here jump on my bed and when she would come they're like oh Gigi got us and she would leave them be because I was their safe space and they knew and she knew that that was her woosah moment because at her age I didn't have anybody I could have watch my kids and trust watching my kids. So when I see she would have like a rough day, I'd be like, just go. I got them. And she tells people now, you know, they're like, oh, I can't find a babysitter. Who are you going to get to watch your kids? She said, I'm going to take them to their Gigi. They're like, what? Yeah, because she loves watching her, her grandkids. I love my babies. And they know that. But we have to create that space for them to just come and just be. They don't always have to be on edge. They don't have to question whether or not we want them there or not because they just know. That's up to us to do. Yeah, it sucks that I had to go through that. It sucks that Maria had to go through that. It sucks that anybody else had to go through any of that. But we get to choose how we live this life from this day forward and how we create a different path for our kids, for our grandkids or our great grandkids. Cause like I said, it all, it ends with me. It ends with me. And if, so, if my kids were to call me right now and say something, I would, I'd figure out a way to get in my car and go drive to Pennsylvania to handle it because they know that I, no matter how old they get, will protect them. And that's just because I didn't have that. Did, my mother didn't tell me she loved me until I was 26. The day I was getting married and I, <laughs> that I should never have, and she knew that I was apprehensive because I didn't want to do it, but she didn't interject. So that's what I wanted to get on here and talk about today. Um, I hope it makes you think about some things that you may have experienced over the course of your life and that you will stop sweeping it under the rug. Deal with yourself, your emotional self, because if you're not 
in a fulfilling relationship and you're seeking stuff from another person that can only come from you, you're never going to have a healthy relationship and you'll just go from one to the next, to the next, to the next. You'll keep going through the same crap, just different people. And it's all because you're running from your trauma, your trauma. You can't, if you don't like your, how your relationship is, you have to change you. And when you change you on the inside, that spills out to the outside. And once it spills out, you give other people permission to dig into their trauma and to work through their mess because they've seen you do it and they come to you and say, you know, I saw you, you know, struggling with something and you're like, not the same. What happened? What'd you do different? And then that creates the space to have a conversation and to give people a space to be vulnerable. It's not all about us. The world don't revolve around us. We're all here to help each other navigate this thing called life. The Bible says we're supposed to spur one another on, that the elder women are supposed to teach the younger women and the elder men are supposed to teach the younger men, but you have so many men who are bound by their childhood trauma that they're locked into their teens or their early 20s and they're 50, 60 years old trying to relive their youth because it was snatched away from them by the adults they were entrusted to. So who do our, our boys have to look up to? Be that place, be that place, be that place because they need us. As much as it says kids don't like to be disciplined and don't like for us to tell them about themselves, it's scientifically proven that they do. My kids have said, even my 16 year old, he's like, mom, I'm so grateful for you. So grateful for you. My 18 year old, mom, these kids nowadays, need they need a mom like you because they just they got it all kind of twisted now they understand why i was the way that i was with them why i disciplined and i was yes i spanked but i didn't just spank from anger if i was angry i'd walk away and come back to it and i'd spank and then we'd have a conversation do you know why and they would yeah i know so what are we going to do differently because some of us just beat our kids just be beating them because that's what we were what was done to us I chose a different way and it worked because my kids are perfectly fine. They do, you know, young adult teenage stuff, but it's not out of the ordinary because I created a space and they know I'm not going to freak out about stuff. They know if they come to me, I'm not just going to say, oh, baby, did uh, no, that we're going to talk about it and get to the root of it because that's what my responsibility is as, as a mother. So as parents, we got to do better because if we don't, then everything that we've been facilitating in our adulthood, they're going to continue and it's going to con keep continuing. And when you hear people say that girl is no good, just like her mama speaking a spell over somebody's life without knowing the backstory and then acting like you ain't got a backstory. So that's what I wanted to get on here and share. I hope it helped someone you're very welcome yes we are breaking generational curses because i know it stops with me it stops with me it stops with me it stops and then something just came to mind that's a whole maybe i'll talk about that tonight on the nightcap because you know some of our mamas had to have a man around because they didn't know how to be alone and then because that's become a thing women accept whatever even being a side chick because that's what they grew up seeing because that's the trauma thing. And then somebody like me is criticized and assumed 
that I can't find a man because I'm single. No, I know what I desire in one. I don't need to have one. I desire one for all the right reasons. And that's not what we're taught. So yeah, maybe we'll talk about that tonight. Um, so every night, 930, we have nightcap to just talk about the day and just chat about whatever else comes up. Um, yeah, see, Steve, you got to If you can't be by yourself, if you can't be by yourself, enjoy your own company. Why should anybody else want to want to be with you? You have to be comfortable being by yourself. Do would I like somebody to to have somebody in my life? Absolutely, but I'm not going to accept less than I know I deserve just to say I got somebody. Oh heck no, because then after all, I'm gonna be like, Who, I don't even want to be bothered with this. No, so yeah, no. Um, Steve, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I know that they shouldn't, but I shouldn't feel this way. No, you should not. You should just enjoy you, rediscover you. What th what things as kids did we did you like to do that the grown up said, "Oh, uh, you wasting you're wasting your time." My yoni girl was into um, drawing and stuff, and her mom told her that was a waste of time. She's just now as an adult getting back to her artsy self. What did you like to do then that somebody said you can't do because it was a waste of time or they didn't understand it? Go do some do some self-reflection. Um, let me see what other comments I have over here. Yes, telling a story, you'll have to catch the replay. The replays on TikTok are available for, I believe, 90 days. Um, let's see. And thank you for tuning back in, Steve. Steve was on here a couple nights ago, him and uh, somebody else. I used to be on point with gymnastics. Then get back to it. Get back to it. Get back to it. Whatever is going to light your soul on fire, do it. Just do it. And don't care about what anybody else says or does because it brings you joy. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. That's all that matters. So, yeah, I, I guess I need to start writing a list of stuff to talk about on these nightcaps. So I hope you come back 930 tonight, Central Standard Time, um, to just recap the day and talk about whatever comes up so I can get to know you guys that follow me and you know, we can just start having conversations, you know, nothing serious unless a topic comes up. And I believe tonight, so sometime today, I'll be having a pop-up uh, coaching session. So 30 minutes, however many people can fit into 30 minutes. Um, and th there's no topic offline, off, uh, off limits, you know, although I do have to keep it PG rated because I'm not trying to get kicked off Facebook. And Instagram just started giving me warnings. Um, but 30 minutes, however many people can fit into 30 minutes, set your notifications. So that way, when you see pop-up coaching, you'll know to jump on and I'll bring you on screen. But I will preface it by saying, if you come up on here with some BS, you will be blocked. I had to block somebody the other night because he was trying to pitch woo while I'm trying to educate folks and got mad because I did not respond to him pitching woo. I don't respond to that. So he got blocked because he started being disrespectful. So I have a desire to help. 
But if you like cross that line, because I got a line, there's a consequence. The consequence is being blocked and you'll never hear from me again on any platform. So that's that. So 9.30 Central Standard Time tonight is the nightcap. Set your notifications. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing from this conversation, then uh, share it with them. If you go to the link in my bio, join my text community, subscribe to my podcast. This will be uploaded tomorrow uh, on my podcast. And uh, what we yesterday's will be uploaded today. And I think that's that. But yeah, go to my go to the link in my bio and see what I have. I have a lot of free stuff there for you guys because it's about helping everybody live better, be better, and just enjoy this thing called life because we got one life to live and, and too many of y'all uptight and bound by your stuff. It's time to unload that stuff. Also, there's a link there. If you want to work with me one-on-one, you complete that. Um, and then we can see if we are a match because I will, I don't coach just anybody. If the energy ain't right, yeah, no, I can't help you. So have an amazing day. I got to jump on a training. I will see you later on today. Thanks for tuning in.